You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Indiana Pacers returned home Wednesday night after a four-game West Coast road trip to take on the reeling Dallas Mavericks who have lost three straight and have been dealing with a COVID outbreak among their players and staff. But the Mavericks for this game were mainly healthy, having most of their big three of Tim Hardaway, Luka Doncic, and Chris Stapps Porzingis in the lineup. Porzingis had a fantastic night leading the way for all team with 27 points and really carrying this Dallas team uh, for most of the night. Luka Doncic, the maybe MVP candidate, had a, one of his uh, worst games of the season in terms of point production going 5 of 15 for 13 points, but he did put up 12 rebounds and 12 assists, so did get that triple-double. For the Pacers, they were led by DeMontis, Sabonis, and Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon had 26 points, Sabonis 25. Throughout the game, the Mavericks held a pretty firm lead throughout most of the first half until a late second-quarter run by the Pacers cut the lead to just two before the half. The Pacers then took a minor lead in the early third quarters and early fourth quarters, but Dallas was just too much. They had another nice night also from Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke. Hardaway had 19 points on 6 of 13 shooting, including 3 of 6 from 3. And Trey Burke had 22 points off the bench, which would overcome both of the Pacers' best bench players, Aaron Holland and Jeremy Lamb, who had 13 and 10 apiece. Lamb, this was his first game back since tearing his ACL and meniscus uh, in February of last year. As the Mavericks defeated the Pacers 124-112. to Welcome to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm the host of this wonderful show. And on today's podcast, I'm going to talk about this Pacers loss to the Mavericks, uh, why the defense needs to be better, frankly, and uh, something I've kind of noticed in the Pacers' wins versus losses, and talk about Miles Turner's impact on, obviously, the Pacers' defense, which is clearly huge. And then we'll talk about Lamb's return and what we liked, didn't like from it, and uh, the positive takeaways that we see from it, because... Uh, Frankly, it was a really nice night for him, I thought. Um, really maybe the Pacers' best player this entire night. So to, to kind of sum up tonight's game in, you know, three points, let's say, uh, the Pacers were thoroughly out-rebound. You had 49 rebounds for the Mavericks to 38 rebounds for the Pacers. Uh, they were they were actually not terribly beat on the offensive glass. They gave up nine, um, but had eight of their own. But they were just... Uh, in terms of total shots, right, they took 92, the Mavs took 97. That says a lot when it comes to rebounding. Uh, free throw disparity in terms of just some of the top-line guys not shooting well. So Sabonis mainly is the one I'm looking at here. He shot four of nine from the line, missing some timely free throws here and there. That was not great. Um, he had an okay shooting night, but just not a great great free throw shooting from him overall. Um, and really, it comes down to uh, field goal percentage, right? So the Pacers actually outshot the Mavs from three. Um, had, a, I think, a few more turnovers, two more turnovers, but the Mavs shot really, really well inside the rim, and Chris Porzingis is really, really good. That, frankly, is how they won this game. He goes 12 of 15 tonight, like I said, with 27 points. Um, he was getting almost every shot he wanted inside the cylinder. I mean, it was, you know, pick and rolls or screen and rolls or whatever you want to call it, um, whether on the ball or off the ball, and he's getting a ton of those easy looks. Um, Someone like Jalen Brunson, who I believe barely sits at six feet tall, was eight of thirteen, and that is eight of eleven from two point range. Had a nice, had a really good night getting to the rim and whatnot. Uh, the Pacers just were a mess around the rim because everywhere else they played pretty solid, right? They didn't overly foul. You didn't have anybody in crazy foul trouble. You know, Holiday had five, finished out with five fouls. I know Sumner had a couple here or there and 
maybe some bad ones, you know, bad calls, I think, mean, by, the, by the refs. Savonis had four fouls, but, like, there was nothing crazy about that. It was simply that the, the Pacers just did not shoot well. And they shot 16 of 39 from three, um, but they made just 25 other shots from the field. So um, they, they were not – they just weren't as efficient around the rim the way the Mavs were. Um, I guess the last thing you kind of look at is the bench play, right? Uh, the Mavs bench – put up 38 points to the Pacers bench, putting up 31. No, it's not a huge difference, but that could be the difference in a game where you lose by 12 points when you're outscored seven on the bench, especially when I think in the case the Mavs have a better starting lineup from one to five, which I think is, you know, maybe fair to say. Uh, I think Luka's probably the best player on the court. Um, but it's a night where Luka got hurt early on, did manage to play 38 minutes, so I don't want to say he was that hurt. But uh, it felt like the Pacers should have gotten this one, I think is the right way to put it. Um, they really clawed their way back a couple different times, uh, and the bench just could not hold it. You know, the question with the bench is, is this a bench issue or, or is this a, a depth issue, right? The Pacers are down three of their top seven players, you know, Turner, Levert, and Warren. Um so that's not very good. They got Lamb back, so they got one of their top, you know, eight or nine guys. But when you're down that many players, it means you're going to guys like Jakar Sampson off the bench, and it means you're playing guys more minutes, right? So McDermott played 34, Justin Holiday 38, Aaron Holiday 26. And uh, in a normal situation where everybody's healthy, those guys are probably around 25 apiece, and Aaron Holiday probably even more around 20, frankly, considering his production level so far this year. So when it comes down to this game, I think the, the best way you can sum this up is – it felt like they had their opportunities to win this game, but frankly, they just weren't able to capitalize them at the right moments. The Mavs hit some timely, uh, got hot at some timely moments right when the Pacers had cut leads, and the Pacers had to go to their starters at the end of this game. Spones and Barney, in particular, uh, played you know forty-one and thirty-eight apiece, uh, and they looked tired. I mean, you could see Spartan hit, hit a couple of shots on the front of the rim, which usually does sound his legs are kind of tired, and so it, it, it feels like a game where. Depth. The imagine have the great depth, but they're just their their bench played better than the Pacers bench, and that's kind of what won it. Um, you would think on a night where Doncic has 13 points. I think I said before the game, if they held the Mavs or held Luca in check, right? And Luca is this guy putting up 28 points a game, so check for him is like could he score 22, <laughs> right? That's kind of the way they held C.J. McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry the previous week and won both those games because they held those guys in check. They didn't, those guys weren't terrible, but they didn't score 30, 35, have a great night, right? Well, they held, they held Luka in check, but they held basically no one else in check, and that's why they lost this game. And so, um, you know, there's a lot with the defense, I think, that it could be that could be said, right? You, you just, they, they just had absolutely no rim protection. And so uh, I think that's worth talking about next because, uh, the defense is going to become a major factor in story in this team going forward since they've got an injury to Miles Turner, traded away Oladipo, one of their better defenders, and uh, just the depth issue, and they're playing a lot of smaller guards who are maybe not the best defenders. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. We talked about Rock Auto for a while on this podcast. They are a Great place to go when you're looking for any kind of auto or body part from hundreds of manufacturers for your cars. You get everything there from like a car battery to um, carpet for your car to kind of protect. Let's say you have a dog or you do a lot of like nature traveling. It's great for that kind of thing. Or you need like a taillight or a motor oil or anything. Go to rockauto.com and they have a remarkably easy catalog to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts they have available for all your cars. You can choose from specific brands, specifications, and choose the prices that you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low 
and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and find all the parts available for your car or truck? And will you write when you go there and buy something right locked on in the how did you hear about a section so they know that we sent you, right? Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Miles Turner did not play Wednesday night, missing his second game in a row with a hand fracture. Uh, it doesn't seem to be too serious. The team says he's day to day. I think they called it an avulsion fracture, but I maybe messed up that that word, and that wouldn't surprise me. Basically, it seems like kind of an extension of a ligament, overextending, kind of a soreness. Basically, uh, it seems like with, right now it's just about icing and resting and when it gets better than his right hand which is obviously a dominant hand so that's a concern something to monitor going forward but by him not playing the pacers uh rim defense and even general has just gone to shit i think is the right way to put it frankly so if you look at the pacers this year they are right they're eight and six at this point and there's a strong contrast between each of those those 14 games or the wins and losses so and defensive rating is is kind of the 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 big one right so just so we're clear, so the defensive rating is basically the the rough estimate of points you give up per possessions, right? You know, there's some other, there's obviously some other little caveats that kind of change the numbers around and whatnot, but generally that's kind of what it's trying to measure is how many points you give up per possession. And for example, I think uh, the Pacers this year, if I pull it up real fast, I believe they rank they were well for before tonight they were 11th in defense and 11th in offense at 108 uh, defensive rating, 111 offensive rating. Um, so usually the best teams get in the low hundreds. Like if you're talking about like the top ones, I think Milwaukee might have the, I think Milwaukee or LA is one of the top defenses. Um, there were years, for example, where the Pacers like back in, you know, the 2014 range and they had a really good defense. They're having like a, a defensive rating in like I mean, even in the high nineties. Um, so like you go back to their 2013, 14, they gave up a defensive rating of 99.3. That's like top level. If you can give up on under hundred points per possession, basically, um, or that's like basically hundred is like giving up one point per possession. That's like amazing essentially. So anyways, so by those measures, right? The Pacers, for example, in the last three games, isn't including the Mavs game. Although I did a rough calculation. They, they'll have a defensive rating probably close to 130, maybe even a little above that. But the last three losses, uh, to the Clippers, Kings, and Suns, they gave a defensive ratings of 125, 122, and 127. So that's the, the opposing offensive rating in those three games, right? Uh, two other losses to the Celtics and Knicks, 118. In 114, by contrast, when they beat the Celtics, they only gave up an offensive rating of 106. And when they beat the Knicks the first time, it's 101. So you're seeing the stark contrast, right? And that's probably pretty indicative of any game, right? Well, when you win, it's because you have a lot of points. You have more points than you score, right? And that's like the obvious thing. But what, what to me it kind of shows is that, like, the Pacers have a certain formula to win games. And it's pretty clear. It's They don't need to hold the team to, like, a ridiculous low amount of points because they, they have a decent offense, right? They're putting up... They have an offensive rating, I think, of 108, which is ranked 11th in the league before coming tonight. So they, they're able to score points. It's They just have to hold you enough in check, right? They don't have to, you know, they just can't let you go crazy off like the Mavs did tonight, for example, the Clippers did on, on Sunday, right? And part of that, obviously, is surrounded around Miles Turner and his ability to protect the rim and just slightly change the percentage around the rim. So the Mavs tonight, like I said, shot 8 of 27, uh, 8 of 27 from 3, so not great, right? They actually, the Pacers actually outshot them from 3. The Pacers shot 41% from 3, and usually if you shoot that well from 3, when the Pacers were 16 of 39 on that kind of volume, you kind of expect to win the game, frankly. I mean, I, I you know, if you told me coming in the night, the Pacers make 16 threes, they take 40 of them, roughly 40, 
do they win or lose? I would say, well, they have a good, really good shot at winning. They should be a close game. They should, if they lose, it's kind of barely. And they were kind of smoked tonight. I mean, they were really the last 10 minutes not really in this game because the Mavs shot 43 of 70 from two, which is a 61.5%. I mean, that is an unreal number, frankly. Uh, and that's because the Pacers did not have rim protection from Miles Turner. That's It's simple as that. Miles Turner's rim protection, while... Well, first of all, this year has been perfect. So, I mean, like, like sure, he makes some mistakes. Everybody does. But, like, what it does, it just slightly changes those odds, right? It, it, it marks that down from being 60% to 55% or even 50%. And that, you know, swings the game four or five shots here or there, which is the game pretty much, right? And, and you know, the Pacers have been pretty good in close games this year, too. They haven't, like, uh, they've been able to pull out a lot of close games. I mean, they lost the Celtics one, but they've been, most of the time they lose, they, they lose. Like, it's not just uh, an easy, you know. It's not like they, they, they tighten up in the end of the game and blow something like that, right? So the Clippers, for example, the other night shot, they made 29 of, of 49 shots from two, which is 59%. So it in with both those Clippers lost and lost that Mavs, you can see the shot chart clearly. It's around the rim shots. Uh, that's what's causing the Pacers game you know, games right now. And it's, I don't really know how it changes. That's the issue, right? They don't, you know, Spones just cannot replicate that rim defense, frankly. Um, they have to score more, right? So like tonight you can make a very good case. Sabonis just like, they were just, he wasn't that efficient. And he usually is right. I mean, he goes four of nine from the free throw line, which, you know, he goes eight of nine. That changes things a little bit. He shoots, instead of shooting, I think he shot nine of 15. He has to shoot like 12 of 15. I mean, I mean, he has to be even better, frankly, when he has to play center because he's that kind of, kind of he's not really a liability defense but he doesn't provide that extra boost that turner does right and i think right now what we're really seeing the test of is and i've always wondered this right is the pacers is sabonis offense worth more than turner's defense and right now you could pretty much say no um right because i you know sabonis had a pretty solid night you know he had his numbers 25 points 10 rebounds four assists nine of 15 you know if he could he goes Seven on the line, he has 28 points, but they still lose the game by nine points, so it's not like that would have really mattered that much. Uh, and that really wasn't enough, right? You really need him to be, like, 30 points to counteract the fact that he has to play center against in Turner's spot where Turner is holding teams to, like, this really dominant around the rim because he's, you know, a block machine and a deterrent just in general, and he allows the defense to play even more up to force the team on the three-point line and stuff like that. He just does so many things. And so we're starting to see that put the test, and it's just interesting to me. I mean, this is... Hopefully, the Pacers will get Turner back sometime soon. The Pacers' next game is Friday against the Magic, and then they play Saturday, or Sunday, I'm sorry, um, against the Raptors. But they're really putting the test, you know, it, you're starting, I mean, this year is the first time I felt this, basically all in the last two years of the Sabonis-Turner experiment. This is the first year I feel like they work together, and they both need each other on the court. Um because I think we saw in the bubble when you have Miles and no Sabonis, the offense clogs up, right? And so you kind of see that they both provide a special skill set together that at the same time, once they can, if it can pair just enough, like kind of helps the team out, right? Because Sabonis can unclog the offense by providing screens and rolls and stuff like that and Turner can make enough threes to be on the court. At the same time, Turner is an amazing rim protector, can force guys into all kinds of crazy shots around the rim. That, at lower percentages, and if Sabonis can play just good enough perimeter defense, he can remain out there. And we're starting to see that this year, and so um, it's just interesting to see this kind of put to a test. And it's a small sample size, so we'll see how things go. I mean, this, this simply could also be the fact that they played a Clippers team who finally got rolling, the Mavs are finally healthy, and they really, really got off tonight, right? I mean, 
but it, it became pretty at least with poor Zingas, right? He had a really nice night around the rim, just kind of dunking all over this Pacers team and all kind of stuff like that. And so you could kind of you kind of could feel the absence of Turner. And so um, the Pacers, the key is getting him back 100% healthy. You don't want to rush him back, get him hurt, and then you don't have him for a while, right? Let's let him get back, make sure he's not going to re-injure himself. But they're going to need him sooner or later because uh, their defense has looked terrible. They might be able to survive, you know, against a battle Orlando team or a struggling Toronto team, maybe even through Charlotte, who's not been very – who's been actually surprisingly okay this year. But uh, they're going to be against Philadelphia in the end of the month or Milwaukee in early February. They're going to need Turner back because uh, what we're seeing this year especially is that Turner and Bonus need to be together for the team to kind of reach its, its most potential. So let's do that. Let's take one more break, and then I'm going to break down Jeremy Lamb's return and why it was pretty freaking good. Today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. And right now, if you go to betonline.ag and use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O and that's Locked On, you get a 50% welcome bonus, right? We are in the middle of the NFL playoffs, which means there is a lot of stuff to bet on and betonline.ag is your place to go. So look at the line for this weekend's games. You've got Green Bay as a three-point favorite, and you've got Buffalo. Oh, I'm sorry, Kansas City as a three-point favorite. So it looks like the one seats are getting the the home favorite. I know it's a basketball podcast, but uh, they don't do they don't always have the futures for the basketball, but football is pretty easy to bet on right now. Uh, and it's I honestly think it's easier to bet than basketball at times, just personally. So in both those games, you want to pick the favorites. You can take them both with the points. Uh, I have gauge recommendation on this podcast for bets. I guess I would I would probably pick Kansas City, but we just don't know the home situation. Um, but Green Bay, I think, is a good bet. Packers have been rolling. They look really good, and I think they're probably going to be the eventual Super Bowl champs. You can also bet uh, matchups, right? So you can pick the two teams you think might win, and you can parlay those together for even more bets. But that's what I would do. I, I'm thinking it's going to be a Packers-Chiefs, but I want to see what Mahomes does. But definitely I would bet the Packers if I had the option, and I might just do that, frankly. And if I go to, if you go to betonline.ag, like I do, you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you use promo code Locked On. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Jeremy Lamb made his return for the Pacers uh, after a little less than a year when he tore his meniscus in ACL, I believe. I think it was both, but it might not have been a, a crazy bad tear, but still something. Um, put him out 11 months, had to go through the whole recovery. Uh, we've been monitoring him for a while. Obviously, uh, got delayed a little bit, I think, by the COVID and whatnot, but uh, he came back and he looked really, really good tonight. Uh, really encouraging sign for this Pacers team who, like I said, is uh, starting to pile up the injury woes um, between Turner, uh, Warren, and obviously Levert, which we just don't know what's going to happen um, with him. You know, there's not a lot of, there frankly isn't a lot of news yet on that. I mean, we'll hear more in the coming weeks, but got to figure out what's what the mass on his kidney is and, you know, take the next steps to ensure his long-term health. So, uh we just wish him luck when he when he returns and wish him um, all the best in, in the meantime. With Lamb, though, it was exciting to see him play 20 minutes, scored 10 points on four of eight shooting and one of two from three. Uh, Lamb is going to be a critical piece of this Pacer team, uh, especially with, I think, will be Warren's extended absence, frankly, um, and probably Levert's at this point. But for sure, Warren's probably going Lamb's going to play a huge role if he can get 100% healthy. Um, I think eventually he slots in the starting lineup, frankly. I think... At some point, you're probably going to see a starting lineup where you see um, Justin Holiday, him, Sabonis, Turner, um, and Brogdon as kind of the five, and then the bench goes back to McDermott, McConnell, Aaron Holiday, and then some surrounding cast of Sumner, maybe Goga, maybe a little Jakar, maybe maybe a little Cassius Stanley. 
uh, or, or Martin, but probably more like Martin. But that's kind of what what I think right now is is the the kind of best thing for this Pacers team, right? Obviously, you know, if Levert can return this year, you probably slot him in to the Justin Holiday spot, and then you're you know playing Lamb as your fifth starter, which I think is one of the luxuries of the Pacers team. So Lamb, uh, I think, played on the bench for the before the Hornets before he came to the Pacers, but he's a starting level player, right? Um, there are a lot of teams where he would start, depending on you know, yeah, it depends how many guard teams have and whatnot, but. He certainly is a starting level player, uh, and that's why it was such a luxury to have him. Right? He didn't even really play last year, obviously with the injury, um, and he had he even missed a bunch of games before then. And they didn't really miss him, right? They they had nine guys even without him, so he is that extra luxury. So he he adds to this team when you're you know if you're only down one or one of your you know top you know starters, he kind of slots right in. You miss two, you start to feel it. But that's all I mean is is if they get one of Warren Levert back, Lamb will start, and this team will probably kind of slot into a really decent kind of rhythm that it that will look similar to what they look like the next couple of years right obviously at some point you want Levert, warren brogdon sabonis turner's starting five but uh you will settle for the one with lamb and so that's why lamb's play tonight is encouraging it makes me feel like you know give it a month maybe even less he can up his minutes maybe from 19 to 25 uh you know he didn't look like he had any you know lingering issues i think is the right way to say it right he looked like he he could make every cut every jump wasn't really um you know with making his shot you know consistently least in the first half and not have a great second half but uh to me it's probably just conditioning for him now right it just it takes time to get up to nba shape um it'll probably take about a month but they play a lot of games too so that should help kind of get him there faster but it makes me excited right i i, I you know there's always a concern when a guy is hurt how does he return and whatnot now with these knee injuries nowadays there's not a lot of not the same concerns, right? I mean, we've seen so many guys return from ACLs. The the worst case scenario is Derek Rose, which took him years, never returned. But like most of these kind of average to above average players are able to return to form because it's just not that debilitating of an injury anymore because of the surgery and all the update in, in medicine and whatnot. So, but you never know. So it's exciting to see that he came back looking pretty good. Just needs to get in game shape at some point. Um, needs to fit in, you know, figure out how to play with some of the guys. But for now, it's exciting to see him return because he's a really talented player. I mean. Like I said, on the current team with the current, you know, nine-man rotation they're running, he is probably the uh, – I, I want to say he's probably the – if you add Turner back in, right, and you go from the nine of basically the nine of Sabonis, Turner, Brogdon, both the Holidays, um, McConnell, that that's kind of – I mean, McDermott, that's kind of your nine. Uh, with Atlanta, obviously, Lamb is probably your third or fourth most talented player, right? He's probably behind Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon, but he probably slots in there as the fourth most talented player. Um, probably between, I don't know where you want to put McDermott or, or Holiday, but that's what I mean. He just has that kind of skill skill level, and he's just a really, you know, he's been a, always been a very good M, 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 NBA player, frankly, right? If you just go through his kind of career, career stats, he's just always been a good player. He's always been, you know, somewhere in the doubles of points, right? He put up 15 points for Charlotte's last year, 12 the year before that, um, you know, shooting 45, 37 kind of career, you know, in his, in his last years in Charlotte. So he's always been a really good player, frankly, and so – uh, the Pacers really need him, and I, I was encouraged by what I saw from the start. We'll see how he plays going forward. Does he play back-to-back? So that will be some thing to monitor and whatnot. But uh, it's the, finally the first positive, finally, frankly, injury news for the Pacers uh, so far this season where it's been kind of a slog of just like Warren and then obviously the Levert news, which is just crushing, frankly, and just like kind of out of left field and scary and, and all, all the emotions you kind of go go through that thing and then you know then you turn get get hurt too it just kind of keeps adding adding up so it's good to finally see the injury turn a little positive some positive news for the Pacers injury list as all well. so I'm encouraged by it um I think this team 
will hopefully play a little better, but I am concerned, like I said, until Turner returns, whether they can really hold teams to enough points to win games. We will see. The next game is Friday against the Magic, and Tony will have a preview of that show for tomorrow. We will not have any podcasts over the weekend. We take the weekends off, as always, but we'll be back on Monday with our weekly show. Uh, this week, we had a mailbag podcast that you can check out. You haven't heard that one yet. Um, it's a pretty evergreen podcast. Talk about a lot of stuff from free agency to what we've seen to latest on, I think, Levert and just our thoughts about everything. So check that out. That posted on Monday. And uh, check out our weekly shows. As always, those are probably our best shows. But then we do these, this kind of thing of uh, game breakdowns and game previews throughout the week. So check those out. As always, you can check out us on the Locked On Pacers podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. Follow me on Twitter at FreeMadam5. My co-host, Tony East, at T-East-M-B-A. That is all for today's Locked On Pacers podcast. We will see you guys again tomorrow.